leader talks about building a great company culture, but how many of them really put in the work to do it? Andreas, CTO at MS Leap, says great culture is all in the details. Today on the show, he shares how to build trust, transparency, and motivation. Welcome back to People Changing Enterprises. I'm your host, Jasmine Goodman. Please enjoy this episode with Andreas Westendorf. You talk frequently about how at Emma you try to share early, broadly, and openly. What does that look like in practice? That goes way beyond tech, actually. That's for the entire company. We, For us, context is key. We try to create global context for everybody in the company. If you want to create trust, you need to create common perspectives on things that are happening in the business, decisions that are being taken. And for that context, it always helps to radically be transparent and open with your colleagues. And we practice this basically on an everyday basis. You find it in, in the meeting formats that we do, in the communication formats that we have, even down to... I don't know, in other companies, it is okay to write an email about somebody that you're complaining about to somebody else. And our reflex in our organization is if somebody is mentioned, but not in CC or in the recipient's list, just add them. You need to short circuit these kinds of communications because it's vital for us to get feedback. We as a company are in also an agile environment and we can only and we work best with a short circuited feedback and that is exactly what we're practicing every day and and this builds trust this builds trust and ownership and if you have that then actually anybody can participate and it should not depend on your job title if you have a right to contribute here and you said that earlier that sometimes it's the most senior architect is maybe the best person to to come up with a very detailed solution for this problem over here, but he can only do that or she can only do that if she's involved in the process early on. Exactly. So, and it's also okay to not always be, yeah, 100% aligned and then not always needs to be 100% agreement about everything because then uh, if you need consent from everybody all the time, then also you're blocking the organization. So there needs to also to be that uh, little bit of chaotic noise in the organization that people start executing. But then again, this is the trust element. So you need to trust your people to take smart decisions, not to waste money without thinking, but to do smart experiments. But this requires a lot of agile culture. And to be honest, that's actually something that I'm super excited about that we have at Emma, but it's also something that is really hard to build. How do you build it? It's part of everything here. It's part of the recruiting. It's part of developing people. It's part of our leadership or challenging each other. Every At Emma, we challenge each other all the time. And unlike other organizations for us, this is just a normal thing. It's never personal. It's always contextual. And it's always about developing the best idea and the best solution to a problem. Which also speaks volumes about the trust that you have with everyone across the company, right? Because you can only do that if you all know that you're in a safe space to actually do that. Trust is the glue connecting everything here. So, and should be in, in a good amount of, or basically in all organizations. In order to have this kind of a common foundation with everybody, you need to make sure 
that you're running also the right metaphor of, for your culture. For us, the, the metaphor is not family. The metaphor is sports team. We are a performance-driven organization. We are a sports team. And everybody we work with is energetic, smart, and enthusiastic and capable person. We know that. It's out of question because they are working with us. And we, we hired them. So there's no doubt about it. So let's get to the next point then, which is let's discuss about your idea. That makes it so much easier. One beautiful picture I always like to paint because I am also really speaking from my heart feel it's true is if you're entering a room full of Emmys and you throw a ball, it won't touch the ground. Somebody will play it. It might not be in the most, uh, let's say, structured <laughs> way, but there's so much ambition and energy in the room. There's definitely going to be a lot of fun playing with that ball. That's a very cool environment, a very exciting and energizing environment to do your best work in. And that ties in so neatly with, I've heard you talk about the importance of creating internal motivation, and you've referenced Dan Ping's framework of purpose, autonomy, and mastery, and how that can support radical agility. Can you tell us a bit more about that? No, oh, I love to. Actually, that's one of my, my hard topics. Actually, essentially, the idea people are doing their best work and have the opportunity to frequently have flows of work where you are really deeply involved into something that you're not only good at, but also that you love doing. That's the most effective, most productive state to be in working. And you can, as an organization, really create environments that foster these kinds of situations. And I like indeed and recommend a lot the book Drive by Daniel Pink because he calls this Motivation 3.0. And what it consists of basically is these three elements of autonomy, purpose, and mastery. And I entirely support the concept that if for really pure intrinsic motivation, you need to create an environment where the process of solving a problem is a riddle that requires a create your personal creative process. And this personal creative process, when performed, is so satisfying for your human mind that that's something that you can be genuinely proud of because you solved that puzzle, you solved that riddle, you solved that problem, and you created the solution. And that's something that nobody can take uh, away from you when done. And that's deeply satisfying. What does that mean for the workplace environment? That means that in order to have people have this creative process, you need to give them autonomy to do so. So don't tell them how to work, but tell them what the goal is and let them figure out the way on their own. That's the autonomy part. The purpose part is very much about the contribution I'm making it needs to be more than just the trivial outcome of work at the end of the day. So it needs to somehow drive a higher purpose. And that can be a lot of things that not always need to be this very altruistic, make the world a better place kind of things. It can be, and it's beautiful if it is, but it can be also a business purpose. But what you want to be as a human is part of a community that has a common goal, a common purpose and a common aim. And that is something that is also that creates bond, that creates community, that put dopamine in your blood. <laughs> so that's a good feeling that it creates. And the third thing is the topic of mastery. Why do people learn instruments? To see progress in yourself is super satisfying. 
And this is something that you also need to take a look at in your work environment. So you need to make people recognize their own progress and you need to create an environment where they can grow. And they will be so happy and enthusiastic about it if you can provide such an environment. And if you combine those three, like the autonomy, the purpose and the mastery part, and you foster that, actually you've done a great job already to create an environment where people can become these 10x deep float people that love what they're doing and they are just so insanely good at it. It's a hard thing to do, to be honest, but it's very much my ambition to create such a workplace. I know that when you were back in the day, when you were at luxury real estate firm Engel and Volkers, you talked about transforming a brick and mortar traditional business into an agile workplace. What I find really cool is you've received praise from your colleagues for managing to do that very well. It takes a lot for people to do that publicly. So you must have done a brilliant job at doing that. And you were able to take the people along on the journey. So how did you do that? I tried to build an environment that I would like to work in as like on any level of the team structure. I want to create an organization and a team that I would enjoy working in as a software engineer. And that's important for me. It's also, there's a couple of core beliefs that you need to, when you're becoming a leader over time, to set in your mind. One is, for me, definitely leading by example. I would never ask people of stuff that I cannot or would not do myself. My, my belief is that I'm a facilitator of great minds here. And I, my job now is to make sure that I'm putting those great minds in or give them the possibility to achieve best. That's my job. Nothing more, nothing less. It's not about ego or anything. I'm so fortunate to have the opportunity to create a workplace that I would like to work in and change also business and industry. I love what I do. What a beautiful statement right there. And I think that's contagious, right? People feel that and they that authenticity that I just felt when you talked about that, that is radiant, right? And then that allows for people to join you on your cause and, you know, really get excited about it and, and thrive in an environment that is enabling you to do just that. Any final advice for people who are starting out, who want to be a bit more like you, who want to change an enterprise for the better? Try not to become manager. <laughs> because manager is something that's, for me, it's a very, a leader for me is somebody who is able to inspire people to follow a common goal and a vision. But a manager is somebody who tells you what to do, when to do it and how to do it. It's not enjoyable for the manager or the, the person being managed. So try to be somebody that rather makes people enthusiastic about doing the things that are valuable for the business and make the organization succeed as a whole collectively. But yeah, try to, you need to overcome your ego. And a good amount of times, you also need to unlearn a good amount of behavior. That was also something that I, you not only learn, but you need to unlearn a good amount of stuff because also stuff that you've learned in previous companies and previous organizations, how to act political and these kinds of things don't, just don't. It's harmful, it's toxic, it makes you not a better person. Try to be 
the best version of yourself and and try not to be a manager, try to be an inspiring leader. Period. I read recently that the difference between a manager and a leader is a leader has people who choose to follow him or her, you know, unlike a manager who has staff. And these are the people, if stuff hits the fan, then these are the people that go with you through the flames. That is community. That is social bond. That is also, I don't believe that leaders are, you're not a leader for a specific, necessarily only for a specific company or a specific brand. People are about relationships. And I deeply believe about relationships beyond the workplace. So that's, if you know someone that you've worked before with, then probably it's very likely that you work with this person again because you trust each other. And that's the most important thing. Thanks for listening to People Changing Enterprises. This show is brought to you by ContentStack, the leading composable digital experience platform for enterprises. Got a question or suggestion? Email us at podcast at contentstack.com. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week with a new episode helping you make your mark.